Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Faketeams.com. I did this, I want to say, last year, maybe. I know I did this for football. I cannot remember if I did this for baseball heading into last season or not, but I decided it would be fun enough to roll through each position as we wrap it up at Fake Teams. As some of you know, we spend a week on each position leading into the regular season. Currently, we find ourselves in second base week, so catcher and first base are already in the books. So I felt like I could spend some time running through general catcher strategy, draft strategy, um, and maybe even cover first base as well in one sitting since catcher's not not a position that we tend to spend a ton of time on. So in front of me, I have NFBC ADP. And if I cite that throughout the podcast, I'm talking all drafts from January 1st onward. So, you know, you're looking at 30 plus days of data and we're not including anything from December, November, you know, nothing like that. So pretty recent stuff. And without further ado, we're going to talk about catchers. Uh, Always kind of a blah week, which is why we start with it and get it over with. Uh, That said, catcher this year could be potentially something of a little renaissance. Uh, We get Salvador Perez back from injury, and he's a a popular guy. He's one of my primary guys this year based on his ADP. But what I'm going to do is roll through the top 12 to 15 or so based on NFBC and see what jumps out, see what stuck out to us as we spent an entire week talking about it. At fake teams, so number one is JT Real Muto, uh, ADP right now of 49, and my own personal opinion is he's worth it. I think that the position is such a trashy one that if you can snag a guy who will give you literally everything, um, yes, the price is rich, but... In my mind, he's worth it, especially if you subscribe to the everybody chips in a little bit speed theory. You're basically only looking at JT and Jorge Alfaro later on as your catchers that are going to chip in with some speed. So uh, I called him Dottie Henson in the state of the position. He is in a league of his own. He does it all. He'll give you all five categories and, you know, for me, it's the it's the overall floor slash ability to finish as the top catcher that makes him worth it in my brain. Uh, if he uh, is around pick 50, 
in my draft, and um, I guess that would be if we're talking 15 team, you're, uh, you know, one, two, three, so mid fourth round or so if he's there and I'm feeling really good, it's definitely something that I'm going to consider. Um, the only thing giving me pause right now is the value that I like on Salvador Perez. So I'll get to that in just a second. If you decide that that's how you go around pick 50, I do not think that you're going to lose ground. So there you go. The next tier basically is a head-to-head battle between Gary Sanchez and Yasmani Grandal. Those guys are going around pick 80, 81 for Sanchez, 94 for Grandal. Um, If I have my preference, I'm going to let somebody else draft Gary Sanchez. We keep waiting on the monster season that has yet to be. And if the dude keeps batting 220, 230, uh, yes, when he's healthy, the power is unquestioned compared to other catchers. But honestly, he's a big fat headache. And you can get the same kind of guy in Grandal, except probably if it goes the way we think a much safer floor of at-bats in what looks like a really stacked White Sox lineup. So if you're somebody that wants to pay up at catcher and have that kind of elite power baked in, for my part, I would skip over Sanchez at pick, at pick 80 and take Grandall 10 picks later. Um, anytime around pick 95, 100, I think he's absolutely worth it. So that's my preference. Uh, maybe it's weak to just chalk up Sanchez as an injury risk, but he's shown it to us enough. And based on what I know I can get with Grandal in his recent history, that's kind of where I'm leaning. So of those two, I'm taking Grandal. Um, after that, honest to goodness, around pick 115, you got Mitch Garver, pick 117, Wilson Contreras. Both of those guys are people that... I am shying away from this year, and it's the Salvador Perez argument. When I can snag Perez around pick 150 or 160, I don't see any reason to take a risk on Garver. Um, Not when he broke through as an older guy and we only have one season's worth of a track record. Um, I just don't don't see the point, honestly, around pick 115. With Contreras... Some of it is maybe me being biased against the Cubs, who have literally done nothing this offseason to improve their roster. Um, He's also not a very exciting guy if we're talking uh, StatCast data, if my memory serves. And I'm going to do some clicking around here because I can, and I don't want to lie to you guys. Uh, Yeah, exit velocity in the 36th percentile. Uh, Hard hit rate. More encouraging, 66th percentile. Um, let's see. Yeah, his his barrel rate was really solid last year, actually, at 11.5%. So, eh, maybe, maybe I'm a little too bearish on Contreras for no reason. And that rhymed, and that was not my intention. Um, that said, like, he's got a really safe floor of at-bats, so... Even though I don't really like him at his ADP, I still ranked him as my fourth best guy. So it's not like I'm saying he's a bad pick. I just don't like the ADP, basically. And no disrespect to Will Smith, but I feel the same way about him. Um, 
when I did my initial dive on catchers, maybe back in December, uh, he reminded me a bit of like Grandal. Um, kind of seemed like Grandal light, like he's got some all base skills. It looks like he has really worked on like increasing the the plane of his swing so he can generate more power. Um, but he's a young guy, he may strike out, but I really liked the ability to get on base. Um, so in my brain, I just kind of like, ah, oh, this, this guy reads a little bit like Yasmani Grandal, at least as far as a hitter goes. Uh, that said, like, again, if it's a, if it's a league where I'm not worried about him getting on base, if I'm just looking for home runs, RBIs, that sort of thing, like I'm going to wait and take Salvador Perez and, uh, pass over pass over the younger guy and maybe that bites me in the bites me in the tail but it's just sort of the way I do it um no offense to Will Smith catching is a very difficult job and there's a reason why young guys will often struggle they have so many other responsibilities that don't just have to do with hitting so which brings me to the number seven catcher per NFBC Salvador Perez around pick 158 um, and this is where I'm comfortable jumping back in. So my number one guy is JT. He's right around pick 50. And then if I were paying up still, I would avoid Sanchez and go Grandal. So that's right around pick 95. Um, and then honestly, maybe people get mad, but no Garver, no Contreras, and no Will Smith for me. So the next time I jump in is right here around pick 150. Um, and pretty much it is, he's a consistent power threat, uh, even in Kansas city, he is one of the best hitters in their lineup. So even when he needs a break behind the plate, they've already talked about him potentially spending time at DH and first base. And that's something that we always really like to hear about our catchers, um, Came off back-to-back 27 home run seasons, and I feel like if he had played with the bouncy ball last year, that we might be paying a much higher price for Perez this year, and he might be in that uh, Mitch Garver, Wilson Contreras range, at least, if not the Sanchez-Grandal range. So I think we're getting a little bit of an injury discount. There's a little bit of a smoke screen. And I'm honestly, I'm just willing to take it. Um, and that's about all I have to say about that. I like him much better than Wilson Ramos, who's going right after him as the number eight guy. Um, Ramos is a ground ball specialist. He basically last year was the Eric Hosmer of catchers. Dude had like a 60% ground ball rate. And, you know, he he's a quality batting average asset at catcher. Um, so I'm not going to say if you draft him, he's going to kill you. Um, if anything, you're hoping that he's kind of the boring veteran that falls past his ADP, which right now is 177. Um, if he falls at all in year round, you know, 190, 200, you know, sure, he's not like a wow pick, but as long as he's healthy, you're looking at a quality batting average and, you know, 15 homers maybe. So that's nothing to sneeze at from your catcher spot. It's just not something that I get overly excited about. I'd much rather grab Salvador Perez 15 picks earlier and have a chance at 25 home runs. So, you know, that's about it with Ramos. 
too many ground balls, I'm out. Um, after Ramos, the number nine catcher, Christian Vasquez, at pick, pick 196. I'm going to talk out of two sides of my mouth. Uh, I feel like he's going to get at-bats in Boston, and I think that the growth he showed last year was pretty okay. Like He looks like an average bat, uh, at least as far as a catcher is concerned. I don't think there's a lot of upside with him besides the fact that he's going to get a lot of playing time. So he, I view very similarly to Yadier Molina, where um, you're getting a lot of at-bats and, you know, he's okay. So I don't get really excited about Vasquez. He's one of the guys I am not drafting at all this year. Um, Omar Narvaez is right after him. One pick later, actually, at 197. And even though he's looking at a platoon in Milwaukee, uh, I think that there's a whole lot more upside here as he's a lefty in Miller Park. Um, I spent some time doing a dive on Nervaez, and I'm going to click on it. This trusty little touch screen, which means you can't hear me, um, and see what stuck out. And so when I wrote this about two weeks ago, his ADP was 213. Uh, so he's gone up, you know, I don't do math. Let's see, about 16 or so picks. So he's gone up a full round since I wrote this, so you guys can blame me. Uh, one thing that stuck out was Narvaez as a batting average asset uh, in every year of his career. His expected batting average mark has been lower than his actual batting average. So uh, I am no scout, but I feel like when a guy does something over and over again, at some point you just have to acknowledge that, hey, this is a guy that can outperform some of, some of his underlying metrics. And Narvaez has done that with batting average every year since 2016. So for reference, his career expected batting average is 258. His actual batting average is 276. So quite a jump and 276 is nothing to laugh at when it comes to a catcher. So he's also, he's 27 years old, um, you know, and he just, he stacks up really well if you're looking at batting average. So, um, He's in really good company. What did I do? I sorted for catchers from basically throughout his career from 2016 to 2019. And the minimum I chose was 500 plate appearances. So really not many plate appearances at all uh, to qualify. So during that stretch from 16 to 19, Wilson Ramos, who we just mentioned, led the majors in batting average at 296. And Omar Narvaez was second at 277. He was a tick ahead of JT Real Muto at 276. Um, and Buster Posey was a name in there at 270. So he's in really good company when it comes to batting average. And it's something that he does literally every single year. So, you know, at his ADP around 200, I'm definitely uh, enjoyed Narvaez. I feel like there's a really solid floor as a lefty in Miller Park. So what else stuck out with him? The line drive rate, the career rate is 27.5%. And within that same sort of catchers uh, from 2016 to 19, which again basically encompasses Omar Narvaez's entire career, he ranked first among all catchers in line drive rate. 
So he's not a guy who is fast. He's pretty slow. He's like 13th percentile in MLB. However, um, batting average wise and with regard to line drives, uh, the dude is a stud. Um, For reference, uh, a guy who was like touted in his prime as a line drive beast was Alex Avila. And uh, Avila was second place behind Narvaez in that sort. And his uh, his rate was 24.9%. So Narvaez kind of blew him away at 27.5. So anyway, lots of line drives, quality batting average. Um, Miller Park, definitely a great place for lefty hitters. There's a little concern with Manny Pena. Um, however, he's basically the defensive guy who's going to rake against lefties. So... It looks like a pretty clear split there. Omar's probably going to sit against Southpaws, but it's the catcher position, and you don't really have to do a whole lot, and you don't have to see full-time at-bats to be a top catcher. So based on where he's going as the 10th catcher off the board around pick 200, I am all in on Narvaez. I think that is a quality, quality pick. So there you go. So that gets us through 10. Pick number 11 is Carson Kelly, and I will confess, I am a little torn. Um, His splits were a little concerning, and I'm not going to talk about what I don't know. I am going to say that as a big leaguer last year, he raked against lefties, but against righties, he was pretty atrocious. So I'm going to pull it up and tell you what we've got. 25-year-old guy. Arizona Diamondbacks, who are looking to compete. Last year as a rookie, let's see, 356 batting average, six home runs against Southpaws, against righties. He was all the way down to a 203 batting average and did pop 12 home runs, so still gave you some power. But eating that 203 uh, average is uh, pretty brutal, so... Let's see, da 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 da. Actually, strikeout rate 21% to both handedness. Uh, the BABIP against right handed pitchers was way low at 214. So, not really entirely sure about everything that's going on there. Looks like he made plenty of hard contact in both splits. Uh, pulled the ball more against right handed pitchers. Uh, more fly balls against right handed pitchers. Uh, almost 10% more grounders and way less line drive. So uh, looks like pulling the ball more, hitting more fly balls to me, um, you know, sounds like a guy kind of selling out for home runs. Against lefties, it's a really super line drive rate at 33%. Uh, fly ball rate at 35 ground ball rate only 30%. So you definitely want him in the left-handed split. Uh Who's the catcher backing him up right now? I know we have the prospect Varsho waiting in the wings. I think I'm saying Dalton's name right. On the roster right... Oh, Stephen Vogt. Yeah, Vogt, you know, could maybe see some time in the outfield, maybe first base. I don't think he's necessarily straight up like backup catcher. Vogt's also 35 years old, so I don't know. I'm pretty torn, honestly. It's nice to see the one skill that he does really well, which is bash left-handed pitchers. Um, 
and the, the performance against right-handed pitchers, for whatever reason, the Babbitt was super low. So I think I'm okay with him. I don't really like the ADP at 200. He's right around Narvaez at three picks behind. To me, I'd much rather have the veteran who has shown that he can do it, at least for the last you know year and a half or so. So I'm probably not taking Kelly because if I'm picking a guy in that range, I'm going with Narvaez. So he's a guy, if uh, he beats me, I'm just going to tip my cap and uh, tell you guys you did a good job. So kind of staying away from Kelly, you know, it is what it is. 12th catcher off the board per NFBC is at pick 209, Jorge Alfaro. Uh, and honest to goodness, he's a tricky player based on the strikeout rate. However, he has elite marks with regard to Babbitt and foot speed, and he can offer some steals. And he's another guy who has done it year after year. So my inclination is to trust it with Alfaro, and he showed us some growth last year. Gave us more home runs than we thought he would in Marlins Park. I think he was right around 18. I'm going to pull it up. Um, he also, as far as like steals attempts last year, I know he was like the number two guy right after uh, JT, but uh, he just wasn't very successful. Um, if he's a little more successful on the base pass this year, then you know you're looking at somebody that could maybe push for ten steals. He was successful on four of eight attempts in 2019, so doesn't really sound great but he had eight attempts and the previous season the Phillies only let him attempt three steals so it's encouraging to go from Philly to Miami who used to have real Muto by the way and they let him run and then they snagged Alfaro who also has really quality foot speed for a catcher and he more than doubled his amount of attempts from his previous career high so you know He's one of probably two guys, maybe three guys at the catcher position that might attempt 10 steals in 2020. So, you know, for a guy who showed some growth last year and socked 18 home runs and still gave you 262 batting average on a 364 Babbitt, uh, I think that he's a quality person at the catcher spot. Definitely somebody I think can finish top 12. So uh, not somebody I'm like aggressively targeting, but definitely somebody if I have missed out on catcher and he's my first one, especially if I feel like I need a tiny bit of speed, uh, I'm definitely okay going Alfaro. And probably what I would do is take another catcher soon after. Um, there's a little cluster from about catcher 13 to catcher 17 that I find pretty interesting. I'm going to read the names off. You're basically looking at pick 220 all the way to pick 244. So 24 picks, you know, two-ish rounds and a 12-teamer. Um, the names are Sean Murphy at 13, Yadier Molina 14, Francisco Mejia 15, Travis Darno 16, and Tom Murphy at 17. And I spent some time looking at Darno. And the Braves catcher split is actually not very encouraging. Uh, I was hoping, you know, we'd see something a little more like 60-40 with some of those uh, Tyler Flowers and uh, Kurt Suzuki splits from a couple of years ago where both guys were uh, quality catchers. 
in fantasy baseball. Um, I came away thinking that Darno doesn't have quite the upside that I wanted him to. However, I also felt like he has a pretty safe floor in Atlanta in a place where the lineup doesn't run super deep and the Braves in recent years have not been afraid to bat their catchers in the you know, cleanup spot if somebody's taking a day off or the five or six hole. Uh, right now, for reference, Darno is projected to hit sixth in the everyday lineup, but that's behind Nick Markakis, who's now 36 years old and clearly going to platoon this year. So, you know, throw in one person takes a day off, everybody moves up, then you're looking at maybe Darno's batting fifth. Um, you know, I'm a Braves fan. In my mind, it's a really top-heavy lineup with the first four hitters. After that, there's a chance if Darno's hot that he is, uh, you know, they're expecting him to really drive some runs in. So he's the younger of the two. He's 31. Flowers is 34. Flowers has been the clear backup in recent seasons, um, you know, and that includes when they brought in uh, Kurt Suzuki. So, you know, and it last year included when they brought in McCann, Flowers had less at-bats than McCann. In 2018, Flowers had less at-bats than Suzuki. Uh, 2017, you have to go back to where Flowers actually had the, the greater share of at-bats compared to Suzuki. But the point is, in the last two years, Flowers has been behind Suzuki in at-bats and behind McCann in at-bats. So, you know, they bring in the 31-year-old who had a very good season last year. I feel like Darno is going to do some quality things, probably bat around 250, um, had a 262 expected mark last year, which is right in the 50th percentile. Um, his career average is 250. The MLB average was 251 last year. So, I mean, I think he's exactly average. You know, you say he's going to bat 250 and call it a day, which is not going to kill you at the catcher position. The Braves are a quality offense, so, you know, like I said, he may be batting a little higher in the order than some other guys. Um, you know, home run-wise, the you got to talk about his home park is definitely a Freddie Freeman-suited park, and SunTrust has not been a great place for right-handed hitters to hit historically, and I'm citing recent uh, park factors and barrels work from pitcher list. Um, so let's see, let's see. Atlanta's home park ranked dead last on the right-handed hitter chart at 30th. Uh, and compare that to last year at Tropicana where the Trop actually ranked third among all MLB parks for right-handed hitters. So, you know, the steamer projection is right at 13 home runs. So maybe... He's going to get a boost in counting stats as far as runs and RBIs this year. I don't think you can go nuts with Darno and projecting a big massive boost in home runs. Um, so I think the, the ceiling is kind of limited, but what I do like is within that glob, I don't have to trust the older guy in Molina. I don't have to trust the younger defensive-minded Sean Murphy in Oakland. Um, I'd rather lean towards Darno, whose at-bats are guaranteed in Atlanta. And honestly, I'm taking him over Francisco Mejia, who we've heard about his hit tool for a couple of years now. 
but defensively he's been challenged. Austin Hedges is still there. Um, you know, cup I took Mejia in the TGFBI and got burned. And honestly, I'm kind of still in that uh, mind frame. So been burned on Mejia, kind of, you know, is a little nervous to me to wait around on catcher prospects to uh, to show up. So in that cluster with Murphy, Molina, Mejia, and Darno, my my lean is is Travis Darno. Excuse me. So I just I just think he's a really safe, uh, really solid top second option at catcher if you're in a two catcher league and I think he's a guy who definitely has a chance to finish as a as a top 12 catcher so really dig that um I think he and Tom Murphy I view really closely I like Murphy and his uh projected volume it looks like with the Mariners that he's probably gonna bat clean up right now which sounds insane for a catcher uh, what I don't like about him was the the splits. Again, his were kind of extreme, if I remember correctly. Um, a little bit like our fellow Carson Kelly. Obviously, the big difference is uh, ADP because Carson Kelly's at pick 200. Tom Murphy, you're all the way down at 244. Um, and let's see, Murphy's 28 years old, clobbered 18 home runs in part-time duty behind Omar Narvaez in Seattle last year. Now Narvaez has gone to Milwaukee. That leaves Murphy as the clear top option. And he batted 347 against lefties and 11 of his home runs against right-handed pitchers. That average was all the way down to 211 and seven home runs. So again, you know, pretty extreme splits, much higher strikeout rates than Carson Kelly. So maybe this isn't really a fair comp to uh, Mr. Kelly. Um, my lean, I think I said my lean was actually uh, Murphy, one spot ahead of Darno. But now that I'm really looking at it again, I think Darno is much safer. I think I'll give him the nod over Murphy. I do like Murphy still, but in this cluster, my lean is Darno. So there you go. That takes us all the way through picks 13 through 17. And maybe we'll even it out with the top 20 and call it a day. Buster Posey, number 18. Full-on fade. I have zero interest in Posey. Um, sue me. Danny Jansen, number 19. Pick 276. Could be a steal in Toronto. Uh, I don't like that he's not even projected as the starter right now. That would be Reese McGuire. So Jansen looks like kind of has his work cut out for him based on based on the way Maguire finished the season. So not really falling over myself to draft Jansen. And pick number 20, Roberto Perez. Uh, catcher number 20, I should say, around pick 283. Uh, not somebody I'm interested in either. Batting average is way too low. Uh, honestly, I'd rather take the number 21 guy in Kurt Suzuki, who is in a timeshare in Washington, but who even in his older age, has proven that he can produce in part-time like he did in Atlanta. And I also dig about Suzuki that he is a noted, I don't want to say health freak, but he very much takes care of his body. And to me, the part-time thing only adds to that. So um, definitely like Suzuki as a second catcher if you are hard up and have missed out. And one last name for the road, Jason Castro, pick 383, 
24th catcher off the board. If you need some cheap power out in L.A., grab the lefty bat who is in what looks like a pretty stacked lineup for what we've seen from the Angels who appear to be really going for it in 2020, which is really exciting to me, definitely based on uh, everybody wants to see Mike Trout in the playoffs and Obviously, that was a really horrible thing that we uh, all got to watch last year when uh, they had to lose a teammate. So, um, you know, in my mind, Castro on that team um, should be a heck of a year. They uh, they lowered that right field wall, as I'm sure most of you know. So I think that's a really cushy spot for Jason Castro. He's actually going, let's see... 40, about 40 picks later than James McCann, who doesn't even have a job right now. So I don't really see how that's possible, but it is. So, all right, that's about it for me. Uh, favorite catcher targets, Real Muto, Grandal, Salvador Perez, Omar Narvaez, Jorge Alfaro, Travis Darno. I'm okay with Tom Murphy, Kurt Suzuki, and Jason Castro. So that's a, that's a pretty solid group of names, and we're going to call it a day here. I think Catcher was a good enough place to start. I will devote another podcast entirely to first base. I hope that this wasn't totally boring for all of you to chill out and listen to and be safe out there on the roads or uh, cutting grass or doing whatever it is that you're doing. I hope you're cutting grass because it's raining like crazy where I live. So hope it's not raining where you are. See you guys. Take care. Till next time. Peace.